First reading is from Proverbs chapter 31. An excellent wife who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruits of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. O Lord, have mercy on us. Our gospel is from the Holy Gospel in St. Matthew, the 19th chapter. Now when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thank you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. From the Old Testament lesson, Proverbs chapter 31. An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. And from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Both of our lessons this evening deal with relationships. The first relationship is the relationship between God and humans. 
creator and created. God made human beings, and he made them male and female. He determined gender, not something humans can decide or change on their own. The second relationship was marriage. God brought woman and man together and he instituted or started marriage. And it's defined by God as one man and one woman. Not open to debate, not changeable by society. But those relationships, human beings with God and husbands and wives were spoiled by sin. Humans have disobeyed God. The psalmist in the psalmody we just sang said, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. But the reality was and is no one is blameless. All have sinned. The psalmist continues, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. He realizes that his desire is to keep God's commandments, his statutes, but he can't do it without God's help. And he pleads that God would not forsake him. And God did not and does not forsake us. The relationship is restored because of the suffering and death of God's son, Jesus. Our sins have been paid for. And all who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior have forgiveness for all of their sins. The relationship with God has been restored. He has welcomed us back into his family. And because the relationship with God has been restored, all other human relationships can be restored also. We live in the forgiveness that we receive from God and we share that with others including in the relationship of marriage. The writer of Proverbs here addresses and describes the description of an excellent wife, a woman who is truly remarkable, the manager of a household, a shrewd businesswoman who lives and works for others, for her family, and then by extension for her community and not promoting self-worth, but demonstrating her worth in her service to others. Ultimately, she's motivated by her love for God. And the writer to Proverbs says, such a woman should be treasured and honored. Today we observe a commemoration, one of those little days on the church calendar, This one is the commemoration of Katrina von Bora, later Luther. We commemorate her. We know her better simply as Katie or Katie Luther. She was born in 1499. She was from a family of nobility with great wealth, but they had lost their wealth. Her mother died and her father remarried when she was five. Her father then sent her off at the age of five to a convent to later become a nun. Five years later, at the age of 10, she was transferred to another convent. 
In the meantime, a monk named Martin Luther was questioning the teachings of the church of his day. In his study of scripture, he came to realize that we are saved by, from our sins by God's grace. It is a gift, not by our own good works. Faith alone in Jesus saves us. And so he also came to realize that living the monastic life was not necessary to be saved. You can live a holy life outside of a monastery, he realized. And you can get married and have children and still live a holy life. Well, Katie heard the teachings of Martin Luther in the convent. And on Easter Sunday in 1523, early in the morning, she and 11 other nuns snuck out and fled the convent. Nine of them ended up in Wittenberg, Germany, and came to Luther. Some went home, some got married, only three were left, and then even the other two were married, and that left Katie. Well, she fell in love with a rich landowner and intended to marry him until his parents found out her background, an ex-nun with no money, and they prohibited him from marrying her. It was some time later that Martin Luther realized he had an obligation to take care of Katie. And so in 1525, they were married. She was 26, he was 43. As a gift, the prince gave them a monastery that had been abandoned, and Katie set up a household there. It didn't look much like a house. I suppose Martin thought that they'd take a little piece of the monastery and make that into their home, but she had bigger plans than that. She set up a place that looked like a convention center. It was a meeting place. It was a dorm for students to stay in. She even operated an infirmary to take care of the sick. And she very quickly realized that Martin didn't have much sense for money. She took over the economic affairs of their marriage, a somewhat unusual thing in her day. She bought land for a farm. She invested in business. She started a brewery. And according to Martin, a mighty fine product from that brewery also. And Martin deeply loved Katie. In those days, it was like Mary love. And he came to love her very deeply. What began as a relationship of a practical matter became a deep and abiding love. It's evidenced in the love letters that Martin wrote to her from many of his travels. He commends her and calls her his morning star. And then, upon Luther's death, his will gave all of his inheritance to Katie, which was absolutely unheard of in the 16th century. The inheritance always went to the eldest son, who had a responsibility to care for his mother. But no, Luther gave his entire inheritance to Katie. How much he loved her. 
What a remarkable story of a relationship blessed by God. And you know the remarkable story of Martin and Katie Luther is repeated today also. And it's repeated in the relationship between a pastor and his wife. In fact, our Synod Convention this past summer recognized, first of all, that in 2025, we should do some kind of remembrance of the 500th anniversary of Martin and Katie Luther's marriage. But at the same time, at the same time, our Synod gave direction to all districts and congregations that they recognize the important contribution of pastors' wives and the ministry that they have to their husbands and to the church. In fact, the resolution reads, Resolved that district presidents and the congregations under their care be urged to give careful attention and commitment to their congregation's moral obligation, not only to love their pastor, his wife, and family, but also to provide the salary, housing, and benefits needed by the pastor to care for his wife and household. Recognizing the second great relationship, the relationship that God established between man and woman, husband and wife. The description of a faithful wife that we read in Proverbs, the marriage of Martin and Katie Luther, the marriages of pastors and their wives today. We see examples of the kind of relationships that we are to have with everyone, relationships filled with the love and the forgiveness of God the love and forgiveness he has shown to us and we show to others. Amen. May the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.